The biggest gap that I saw when taking over the business was getting growth through our partners. Instead of competing, right, let's go to market together and going after the market together, I felt like we could drive better synergies with our customers. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. If you're a partner looking to better engage with Microsoft's own consulting services organization, then you won't want to miss this episode. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Jim Lee, the Vice President for U.S. Microsoft Consulting Services. In this episode, Jim and I discuss the big and bold initiatives and investments his organization is making to drive success with partners as Microsoft begins its new fiscal year, 2022, and why partners, yes, partners, are more important than ever to driving future growth and customer success. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed spending time with Jim Lee. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for uh, allowing me to join, Vince. I'm really excited to be here today and uh, share a little bit more about what we're doing in the U.S. consulting business. I am so excited to finally welcome you as a guest, Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Yeah, we. I mean, Vince, obviously, we worked a, a long time together at, at Microsoft in this new capacity that, that you have with uh, not only this podcast, but what you're doing in the partner community. I'm excited. So I am so excited. You're the vice president of U.S. Microsoft Consulting Services, and you and I had the chance to work together at Microsoft. There's a lot to uncover here today for our partner community around Microsoft Consulting Services. So glad to welcome you here. Thank you. Appreciate it. So let's talk Microsoft Consulting Services, right? So the Microsoft Consulting Services on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You know, some people are saying, What? But I know that your organization has really, and this has been over a period of time now, really embraced partners and partnering. So I was hoping we can share some of that with our listeners. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting evolution, right? I mean, going from where at least the perception was that we would compete with partners in the market. And obviously, that did happen at times. But the biggest gap that I saw when taking over the business was getting growth through our partners instead of competing right? Let's go to market together. And going after the market together, I felt like we could drive better synergies with our customers. And so I built the business case, talked to Kate Johnson, our president, and she allowed me to, to build a partner management team to partner with OCP. But you know, having consulting people that knew consulting, especially when we're working with uh, consulting firms, right? And so we built out this partner management team and they were gold on driving revenue through our partners. And partnering with MCS. And that, that's really been a game changer for us, uh, Vince, and how our partners only view us, but also how we frame out these agreements and collaboration agreements with them and how we're going to go to market. And I think that that's been the biggest um, you know, change for us because I want true partnership, collaboration, transparency, and I don't want field confusion. And that's what we're trying to you know, work through. 
Yeah, and I love what you're doing here. You know, you and I got to work together, and you were very partner friendly, by the way, when you're in your previous role in the consulting business when I was running public sector partner. You and I were talking about this right before we came live. Is you know there are only a number of account executives, and they tend to be the ones that the partners always gravitate towards, right? They're told to like, let's go co-sell, but there's a whole. I'll call it another way, another avenue, a way to partner more effectively with Microsoft and your organization. I love the fact that you've created this partnering team within your organization. You've now built it into your DNA and partners have struggled here. So how are you addressing both the perception and the reality with this team? And you've gold them around partnering. Yeah. What does that look like? What does that day to day look like? Well, I mean, one of the areas is one we've looked at the, the various industries that we're serving now, right? As well as the operating units within the business. And we looked at, okay, so where, where are the largest partners that we can go to market with? What are the sweet spots for Microsoft and our partners? And so what we try to do with our partners is, is map out you know, both our sweet spot as well as theirs, and then build framework and patterns with our partners um, so we both can bring our best to that customer. So one plus one equals three, right? Versus competing. And then in some instances where it makes sense for customers, We'll even go side by side, but at the end, you know, we, we meet at the top to do what's best for the customer. And then what we end up doing, Vince, is we memorialize all of that in the collaboration agreement. You know, it's it's a it's not in any formal agreement, but you know, the old fashioned just collaboration agreement. How we're going to go to market together to just drive clarity both for the consultants within MCS in our organization as well as our partner community, and then we hold each other accountable. Right? We meet weekly. We review pipeline. And we try to drive those go to markets. And that's the biggest piece, right? You can do these, these meetings, right, with partners. And then it's the execution that, that sometimes falls down. And so I'm big on establishing the collaboration agreements and then driving relentless execution with our partners to, to drive success. Because to me, I think that's, that's how we're going to get growth in the market. And we need our partners to get there. Well, I call that, that's where the rubber meets the road. You and I are so much on the same page. I've been talking about this. I do workshops, as you you know, we talked about this and I do a lot of work consulting services for Microsoft partners and where the, where the things fall down is on the execution. We do this great meeting where we get everybody in a room. We're all great together. We build out the why we build out a series of milestones, maybe set some scorecard objectives and then people leave and nothing else happens. Right. There's, you know, crickets, I would call it. Right. Right. I love your, what I call maniacal focus on the business. Talk to me about, you mentioned framework and you mentioned patterns. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll take, you know, just the, the three clouds, for example, and we'll build out frameworks like what are the best of breed technologies, you know, whether it's ISVs, whether it's a GSI areas that within our cloud that the, the GSIs feel is a sweet spot for them, whether it be, you know, security or whether it be data and AI or et cetera. And so we kind of go down the stack and we break it down right at the end of the day, as we move our customers to the cloud, what are the sweet spot areas um, within, uh, you know, that partner uh, versus MCS. And then we kind of break it apart to make sure that as we build out the patterns, we know exactly where the sweet spot is for that partner. They know where, you know, we can bring, uh, you know, value to the table for our customers. In a couple of areas for MCS, right, especially when we get into these major billion-dollar platform commitments, hundreds of millions in consulting, historically, we haven't been prime, right? That's been our GSIs or larger partners. We're a piece of that puzzle. Now, our customers are saying, hey, Microsoft, we need you to carry the paper, right? And so it's a new area for us when we go with our partners. And 
But mapping out that framework of what we're going to do versus our partners is critically important. And one, one big area right now that I'm finding that our customers really need us for is just security, right? That wrapper around the solution in cloud and making sure that that you know, environment's you know, very secure uh, is, is, is vital, obviously, as we move into the cloud. So there's, there's patterns and frameworks. We break it down um, in that kind of fashion. And then we, what's a differentiator with, for the partner, for the customer? What's a differentiator for Microsoft, for the customer? And then we bring that together. I love the clarity you're, you're achieving here by doing that. A lot of clarity I'm hearing. And then also we understand where we overlap. We, we understand where our, our unique strengths are. And exactly. where we can go together to, and do better together. And to your point, right, the world is transformed. What we set, we saw seven years of transformation in the last year. Huge commitments, as we're seeing. We're seeing the numbers show that and demonstrate that. You know, I knew this back in the public sector days that a lot of the large government agencies wanted Microsoft as the factory shop to prime because there were such big commitments. So I think you're seeing this now from corporate America as well. And at the end of the day, what we're finding in these large, you know, call them co-innovation, co-developments, again, you know, 90 plus percent of the work is done through our partners. I mean, we're, we're working through that with them, collaborating with them, and our customers like it because they're seeing us now going to market together and doing what's best. And that's what I tell our partners. Let's keep the customer's lens first, right? What is best for the customer? Take the ego off the table. We all want the work. What's best for the customer? And truly looking at that lens it's been a game changer because it, it helps. Okay, you're better at this, we're better at that, et cetera. And I think that's what we really try to look for is you know bringing our best uh, to the market. And I talk to clients and coach organizations on getting your one thing right. Like what is the one thing that you do best, right? And partners getting that clarity from their side as well. Back to you. Well, and, and you know, especially the making big partners, they say they can do everything. Well, I mean, many partners say that, but at the end of the day, we all know where our sweet spots are. That's right. That's right. So I love the clarity, love what you're doing in terms of the engagement, the focus, and the metrics driving against that. And then I'm assuming, like, one of the things I find, and too, when we to, I talk about maniacal focus, is we need to have really candid conversations about what's not working. And, you know, you're having weekly meetings. Do you have a way or a methodology that that bubbles up for the, the really candid talk? Well, normally it bubbles up during, obviously, deals, right? So when, when we have major deals, we find out what, what's not working as far as collaborating, whether it be, you know, in the governance side, whether who's, who's running what, how are we communicating with the customer if we're, we're fumbling their contract structure, right? Did we, did we mess up how we, how we you know, structured the contract? You know, all of those things get bubbled up, whether it's through deal origination or execution. But what we found is it's okay to reset sometimes too. Like if, if we screwed something at the beginning with our partners, you know, resetting, you know, even if, if it's in the first you know, portion of a project, that's okay, like because as as we all know, when these customers are making these massive commitments, we sometimes you know overestimate what even the customer can do, mm. or what our partners might be able to do based on what we know of the customer environment. And so, working through that and knowing that we're going to have agility through that process has been uh, big for us, and being able to, to adjust uh, as needed and build that in, um, so we have a little bit of flexibility with customers. Uh, to flex through these major, major transformations. I love what you had to say there. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but agility is one of my seven or eight principles of what makes successful partnerships. Well, that's good because that's something we definitely need in the arena that we're moving into now with these major uh, transformations. 
So, I, you know, we had a conversation. You're working with a lot of big partners, a lot of different organizations, but I'm sure there are partners listening today that have not worked with you in your organization. How did they more effectively do so? Yeah, so I think I mentioned earlier the sweet spots, but whether you have a vertical solution, industry depth, you know, understanding what it is that you bring to the market that's of extreme value. I'll give you an example. Marsden Group, we just acquired Marsden Group. They had a ton of IP that they were bringing to market in industry, right, that drove value, that, that had high success, right? And we ended up acquiring Marsden Group. But through the process of the company analyzing it, we saw just the value of what they were bringing into, into the market. And so doing the same thing for our partners, so we can find what is that area and value that that partner you know, brings to Microsoft and more importantly, uh, to our to our customers. And the better the better we know that, the better we can find a way to go to market together. And whether it is going to market with MCS or even with our engineering team, as you may or may not know, Omar Abash, who's our worldwide CVP, uh, now owns the commercial software engineering team. MCS falls under under that. So being able to even co innovate and co develop, right? What's next? is important. So if those areas where partners can definitely plug in, um, even within our engineering teams. You brought up a good point. You know, we recently had Microsoft Inspire, and I think this would be a good time for clarity because we heard from Rodney, we heard from Judson, we heard from Satya. But talk to us more about Omar's role a little bit for people that don't understand the organizational structure. He has industry, he has engineering, and he has consulting services. And where did those those other pieces sit before (laughs) Yeah, so basically, the, the, so DevCup, many of you know DevCup. So DevCup had our worldwide industry team, she also had our strategic pursuit team, and helped you know, build strategic partnerships. And so DevCup is now our MSUS president. Um, Kate Johnson is, is taking some time. She had some you know, major family events that happened, and, and she uh, is taking some personal time. And so Deb is now uh, stepping in as our MSUS uh, president, and we're excited to have Deb on board. Um, with that, so Omar has now been elevated. And so what's happened is some of Deb's uh, functions have now fallen under under Omar Abash. And so worldwide industry teams, public sector and enterprise commercial, worldwide teams at a corp level. Then we have the software engineering team, which is huge for us, uh, as well as strategic pursuits. And then obviously MCS um, falls under that. And so the new vernacular that we're calling is industry solutions, right? So industry pivot, solutions, yeah. yeah. So that's what, what Omar's organization is really uh, about. It's about driving industry solutions, co-innovating, et cetera. And so in the past, MCS, we, we had a worldwide CVP, Kristen Johnson, KJ, and you know prior to her, Kathleen Hogan. It was just an independent group, right? And so we had consulting underneath that. But what we found is, even when we go to market with these large transformations, you know, engineering is under one group, right? We had this pursuits under one group, industry teams. And so bringing all that together is going to allow us to innovate with our customers and partners at a pace we haven't been able to do in the past and make it seamless because having these silos we found in the company, it really slows us down uh, with our customers. Yeah. I love taking down the silos and what you're yeah. doing here. Does this also include when we talk about the, the different clouds, the health cloud, the financial cloud yes. and so on? So Alyssa Taylor and that organization? Yeah. So it's retail cloud, health cloud, manufacturing, financial services, all, all the clouds that we're bringing to market that falls into the team to help uh, not only build it, the offerings, but bring it to market. At the heart of that is our partners, and some are helping co-engineer solutions for you know our industry clouds. 
Yeah, I mean, there are subject matter experts in these various areas, right? You've got ISVs, global ISVs, and vertically focused ISVs that solve so much of the gaps, and you're going to build out this rich cloud and this rich set of solutions. And of course, right. it's got to be stitched together and delivered to the customer through you know, consulting services taking the lead on a lot of that. Beyond just even the, the cloud piece, what we're seeing are customers like Walmart, you know, Walgreens, Cruise. Some of you may have seen in the Wall Street Journal about our, our uh, you know, co-development with Cruise, where they've given us a significant amount of consulting hours to go help co-develop the next autonomous vehicle. And so with that, right, we're doing that in partnership with their engineering organization. And so you know, that's the level of innovation and pace that's now coming out. And so when we look at you know, these major digital transformation customers, I mean, they're, they're moving their entire business and platform to Microsoft. And so where we need help with our partners is, you know, as we help paint that vision, not just today, but helping the customers pivot to the future and having partners that are innovative, that think beyond today. And what does that future bring? And then giving them insights into, you know, our roadmap, what our technology can do to help that, but also just the innovative mind um, is critically important as we're working with our customers because, Many of them are, they're basically becoming technology companies, yes. right? And, and that's the shift in this new era that we're in. And that's why it's just endless, the opportunities, but helping them focus and then understand the vision. But for us, showing them how we execute to get to the vision, that's the piece that actually gets them to sign. You know, I'd love to unpack a little bit more here because you mentioned several things. One is that this transformation is not just around technology. Technology is making every organization a technology organization because we're we're driving effectively re-engineering the world and how we live, work, society, education, everything. And it's all been technology driven. And then you talked about mindset a little bit. So I want to peel back because <laughs> this is the ultimate guide to partnering. Like what mindset do you look for in a successful partnership? I mentioned, you know, innovative mindset, problem solving, right? So understanding, understanding one, where customers are today, right? And then truly being able to think about, okay, what are these solutions that we can bring to solve not only the business challenges that they face today, but elevate them and their business to the next level technologically to get them there. And, you know, understanding the market enough or wherever that the partner is, as far as their sweet spot, whether it's the industry that they're in and bringing that to us adds tremendous value because we have, you know, we spend about nine to $10 billion on research and development. We can bring a bunch of very smart people in the room, but at the field level, having our partners have that expertise alongside us, it just brings more value to that customer to know it's not just Microsoft that's here. It's our partners that are, you know, leading in their industry also bring that mindset and, uh, and innovation. Yeah, that vertical depth, correct innovation mindset, right? Especially you know people that come out of like I know I know the public sector markets like education is an example. And so many people that have been steeped their entire career in academia and education, and they've taken that into technology. Well, and it's the credibility, right? So if you understand the language the customer's talking about, I mean, health language is much different than obviously federal language, right? I mean, so being able to speak the language help translate, you know, the business problems into technological solutions is, is critical. But that that that's why we're breaking up, you know, not breaking up, but we're going more of an industry pivot as a company bringing in partners as well as hiring people that have the industry language set. I love what you're doing. And I know partners are going to want to reach out 
Jim, we're going to put your LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Is there another way that they could reach out to your team if they want to engage or at least have some conversation or dialogue? Well, I mean, you know, through me is fine and I can, I can help filter. It's probably easier that way, Vince. I mean, I've got Sarah Steiger who's leading our uh, partner team for me. So if anybody looks that up, they'll find Sarah there as well. And she's helping me uh, work that. Uh, Tarun, who works for Omar Abash, is now uh, also a, he's going to help us uh, take what we've done in the U.S., right? And now it's going to become global because many of our partners that are out there, they're global focused, right? Yep. And so one of the things that I've done is when we build these collaboration agreements, we've got to kind of think, okay, so if we take this globally, what does it look like? And that's where Tarun is now going to uh, to help us with that. So our partners can not only think about the market, most are the biggest markets in the U.S., but globally, how do we build these collaboration agreements to, to serve all the markets? Okay, we'll provide links in our show notes to support all of that discussion. And, you know, I didn't get to ask you this, but what about partnerships that have failed working with you and your organization? You know, we had some missteps with partners before with MCS when I was at Microsoft. What do you wish you had said to them at the time to get them back on the right track? Well, it's interesting. So Vince, what I found is when we engage early with our partners, truly early, I don't really recall a time when we failed. Like with any large engagements, you know, I mentioned earlier the resets, friction points. We've always, you know, found found a way forward. The success rate for Microsoft as far as you know, delivering projects is is 99 plus percent, right, of, of success rates. And what I mean by that is we don't leave our customers behind. Many organizations, you know, they, they hit these tough spots they'll walk away. Our brand is too important for our customers just to walk away. And yeah. so we're with our partners to make it right, put it that way. So the key message, I guess, is really to, to engage early and build a plan on how we work together, both in good times, but also when we hit challenges, right? And having the right governance structure in place. And so I think what's happened in the past is really not, not having that upfront discussion about, okay, if we need to reset what does that look like? And then we talked about agility earlier, right? Building in the ability to have that agility in the contracting phase is important to allow us, you know, some leeway as we work with our customers. And especially like when we look at, you know, whether it's lift and shift or customized coding percentages, even within those different phases of a project to allow us some, again, agility. So we don't hit really hard targets necessarily, but building in that agility to allow us to flex based on both the customers, you know, internal environment, structure, ability to execute as we all planned, as well as our partners. Because we find sometimes that, you know, there's there's some hairy messes after we signed a contract that we didn't know about. We just need to be able to have the ability to adapt so we don't technically fail. That word, I actually, <laughs> I don't even like the word. It just, it bothers me. Well, I, I, I only use it in the context of getting to the other side, which is success, yeah, no, agree, ultimate success right? So there's got to be that, you know, what's the contrast to it? But also, you know, I love what you had to say because so much of what you're saying is we're, we're, we're totally aligned here. I love, I love the conversation about clarity, communication, commitment, focus, agility. All these things are just so important to a successful partnership. I love what you had to say. So I am going to shift gears here, Jim, because as you might know from listening to other episodes, I am fascinated with how people got to this spot in their career. We got to work together for several years at Microsoft. You've had a tremendous rise in trajectory and congratulations on the role that you now have You know, as vice president of U.S. Microsoft Consulting Services. Was there a spark that set you off on your path? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's been an interesting kind of you know ride. My my parents, you know, growing up, right, just in complete transparency, you know, we were pretty poor. Grew up in a trailer, right, and so when you grow up from not a whole lot, right, and then you know, my dad was relentless and ended up becoming the vice president of Pizza Hut and ended up you know opening his own Taco Bell's. But we had a family restaurant. My dad had a dream that he wanted uh, his own family restaurant. So after being a VP at, at Pizza Hut, he made some money, put all his money into this family restaurant. Well, all the orders were taken manually back then, right? You know, I was yep. 12. And everything was done manual. And computers were up and coming. And um, my dad said, you know, I really need to computerize our our ordering system so I can keep track of our you know, inventory, et cetera, food costs, blah, blah, blah. And so I saw my dad. He's a restaurant guy, you know? And so he knows nothing about technology. Neither did I at the time. But he was struggling really to understand COBOL to help build what, what he wanted, which was a, a point of sale system. And so I said, Dad, look, let, you don't have time to do this. You know, I'm, I'm in school. Let me let me work through this and study it. And so I studied COBOL uh, in depth and ended up building our point of sale system for our restaurant. And so it, it sparked this business problem that my parents had. I was able to solve that through technology, which then helped you know, transform that business. And at that moment, it was weird. It was like, man, if you can envision things, if you can write code to solve the problem that somebody has. And I became fascinated at that point with technology and I never, never stopped. I mean, I went through, you know, obviously college studying, et cetera. And so that really helped spark me in solving major problems for customers. I love that. I didn't know that story, by the way. It's a fascinating story. And so you create, and by, by the way, COBOL, I took COBOL in college. I got to <laughs> give you a lot of credit. So what happened next? So basically, you know, after college started a, you know, a small firm, you know, basically a, you know, call it .NET company at the time, right? So we went in and, and helped build basically systems that were optimized with, you know, healthcare software at the time. So we'd go into hospitals, we'd, we'd build the systems and optimize the software, um, and then, you know, obviously manage that infrastructure for them. And so I, I ended up doing that for a few years, sold my portion of the company, and then ended up, actually, believe it or not, Vince, I went up to go work for the World Bank. And so at the time, the World Bank was, and that's, you know, obviously where, where I was in DC, yep. the World Bank at the time was expanding offices globally. And they needed a, a leader that could go in and help build out the field offices. And so they put me in charge of Africa and Europe. And so I went in and, and built, I think it was 21 different field offices for them. And then through that process, worked with government officials to bring technology to developing countries. And it was, ah. you know, and it was a big leap because what actually got me into the World Bank originally was they were moving from Banyan Vines to, to Lotus Notes. And oh, so wow. I write some script, help them, you know, get on Lotus Notes. And then through that, I proved my my technology worth. And then they they put me in charge of some pretty critical projects in building out these field offices. And so it was a, it was a really cool experience. I enjoyed it. But I, I again, I saw how technology can really light up, you know, the lives of others and, and you know, especially in developing countries and really you know, revamp businesses, et cetera. So it was a cool experience. And is that what got you to Microsoft? Well, I, from there, I went to Quest and, and ran, basically, it was a, about 32 different data centers. They had a custom hosting business, ran that, and you know, Sun was one of our major platforms. And so I leveraged uh, the Sun technology, got to know the Sun executives, and went there for a number of years. And then we got acquired by Oracle, and then ended up uh, moving from Oracle to Microsoft running our state and local education business. Yep. And that's where we met. That's where we met. That's yep. where we met. Yeah. 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 It was a lot. Of- How many years? 10, about 10, 10, almost 11. 
11 years now. That's amazing. Yeah. So what is at the heart of your passion? Like, is there a just cause? Is there something, you know, we went through Dr. Michael Gervais training. Yeah. Personal philosophy is, is one that comes to mind. Michael's been a guest here on the podcast. He's coming back actually in another month or so. What sets Jim Lee's passion? Like, what is, what's, what's your driving force? You know, basically helping others, right? So for me, I think every waking up every day with a purpose, you know, both professionally and personally is, is critically important, right? And so that, that's important. So every morning I get up, I, I envision my goals, my dreams, you know, and every day I have some pillars that I focus on. It's health, family, work, and then even personal goals. And then, you know, my passion is I strongly believe that when we envision what we want, things start to happen, but you have to see it in your mind's eye and then surrounding yourself with others that are going to fuel that dream. And so, you know, my grandparents, you don't know this, but my grandparents did motivational speaking for about 30 years. And so I learned a lot from them at the age of five, like the power of the mind, the power of meditation, visualizing, whether it's sports or on the field of business, going into a big presentation, you know, how it's going to come, how the outcome is going to be. And, you know, I found that that can be life changing, even when you visualize your life, like what it's going to be like, where I came from and where I am today is dramatically different. But I, all of that comes back to mindset. And so, you know, I wake up and think about that every day. And even people that, you know, I mentor and talk to that want to try to get to the next level. One, where do you want to be? Right. Picture that next level or two, and then picture your end game. Because when you leave this world, right. At the end of the day, it's the legacy that you leave behind, how, how you touched others, how you helped people. And, you know, it's not about how much money you have in the bank, what titles you had. When's the last time that you, you know, sat in a funeral and somebody talked about, oh, they got this much money and here was their title at Microsoft or whatever. No, it's all about what they did to help others and the impact they had on others' lives. I love that. I love that. And you also mentioned surrounding yourself with the right people or I think you use that. You didn't use the term right people, but you said surrounding yourself with people. That support, yeah. that support your goals. Yeah. What does that look like for Jim? Yeah, I mean, obviously family, having family members that support your your dreams, supportive, you know, friends, the friends that are, are true friends, you know, I've known them probably since I was five. And so those folks that are actually going to believe in your potential and and fuel what is best for you, not necessarily what's always best for them, but what's best for you whatever that might be is, is just believing in, you know, your potential as, as a person. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned something earlier, I'm going to touch on this. You mentioned your grandparents and the work that yeah. they did. And I was, I'm reminded of the, I don't know if it's a phrase or a term, you're the sum total of the five people you surround yourself with, right? Or you're so well influenced by that, that group, that small group. Yep, absolutely. You are. And, and then when people, <laughs> Where they are in their lives, I mean, they really should look at, okay, so if you had to pick the five people around you, are they making your life better? And if, if there is a challenge, I mean, I have these candid conversations too about people that may be bringing you down or are always negative or whatever. I think that's okay too, because sometimes our purpose is to raise their game and not always to be a rescuer, but to be a beacon of hope. You know, I wake up every single day with a positive mindset. And even when it's challenging times, waking up and, and believing this is the best day of your life. And I, I say that. And then just mindset too, Vince, is important. Like, oh God, it's Monday. People, I'm like, no, it's another week of progress. Like it's an amazing week of progress. Yep. And I think that that's critically uh, important for people to, to wake up with a positive mindset, even if they're hitting hard times. And mindset is just so critical. Just, just so important. I love what you have to share here, Jim. 
You know what? We're going to have a little fun though. You know, I've been um, thinking about Tom Hanks and Castaway quite a bit. Like what happens if you're stuck on a desert island for a prolonged period of time? Maybe it, you know, you only can take a certain number of songs along with you on that. Maybe have a Zune with you. May, well, maybe it's another device pre pre Zune. Yeah, I was gonna say, hey, buddy, you're aging yourself there. <laughs> well, you know, I love my Zune. I still, I found, I have two of them, by the way. I, I should probably, awesome. I'm saving them. They're gonna be yeah, worth something awesome. someday. You're on this desert island, and you can only take five songs along with you to accompany you, and you can only listen to these five songs for the foreseeable future. What songs would you take along with you, Jim, and uh, why? Uh, well, it's, I, I find it hilarious just because I, I kind of listen to the same songs every day when I work out. <laughs> so it's <laughs> for me because it gets me through workouts, which are pretty intense. But I love Rocky just because I love the fight. I love overcoming nothing and being something. And so for me, it's Rocky Four, right? And so it's Burning Heart, Hearts on Fire, Eye of the Tiger. Everybody loves Eye of the Tiger, right? And then yeah. the other one's no easy way out. And so it's just a reminder that in life, it may not be easy at times, right? And so you got to fight through the struggles in life. And so no easy way out. And then the other one is at the end, it's victory. So the sweetest victory. And so for me, it's just about the, the fight I've had in my life to get to where I am. You know, and I think that that's just the mindset I like to, to have as I work out. And <laughs> people around me probably get sick of the song, but I've, I've used it from, you know, as a kid, before sports games, you know, all the way up uh, up to today. And early on, it was obviously uh, Eye of the Tiger. Uh, but then when Rocky Four came out, I loved that, uh, the whole series there. So kind of pump you up type song. So. Well, I loved having you as a guest today, Jim. First of all, I didn't know as much about your personal life and background. It's a inspiring story, having grown up the way you did and, and helped your dad out and how that led to a career in technology, driving against your passion and goals. I didn't ask you, I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. You know, you mentioned this visualization, which I, by the way, live by as well. And what is the visualization for Jim? I don't know. Well, let's put it out five years. Where, where's Jim Lee five years from now? Yeah. So one, I, I like to, to be a, obviously a CVP in this company. I, I believe in the vision, the future of where Microsoft's going, right? And so being a leader in this company is an honor today. I'd like to continue in that capacity, you know, as as a as a corporate vice president, you know, lead, leading a major business uh, like we are today. It's funny because you know our consulting business is, is a billion plus in sales and you know wow. billion plus in, in you know projects delivered or build revenue. That's big, but in the Microsoft company, it's it's a good size for many. It's huge, but you know, I would like to to continue to have a, a larger impact, you know, for for Microsoft, and then. I do made motivational speaking, so I really would like to be able to, you know, at, at times get out uh, events and do more of that, you know, following in the footsteps of my grandparents. The biggest thing for me is, you know, the kind of the thing is wake up to win. And so every day I do visualize waking up to win and, you know, health wise, continue to be extremely healthy, family members, healthy, surrounded by love. I mean, all those things I envision every day. So it's not just a five year plan. Um, but it's a daily plan. And I think that's how we get to what we picture in the future in our mind's eye, because that's the path forward. Wake up to win. I love that. Jim, thank you so much. You've been a terrific guest. I want to thank you for your generosity, for making time during an incredibly busy time of year for you. And thank you for being a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Thanks so much, Vince. Appreciate the opportunity. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. 
Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzion. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.